Hello, my friends. Nick Labretti here for JR Cigars. And here at JR, we are passionate about everything. You want cigars? We're passionate about Romeo, Monte Cristo, Aging Room. You're passionate about cigar cutters, lighters? We have everything. We are passionate about life here at JR Cigars and only here at JR Cigars. Did we get it? I'm not sure. What do you mean you're not sure? I'm out here busting my hump. I got Mike guy in here. Get this freaking camera out of the way. At JR Cigars, we're passionate about everything. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday night, uh, which is Smoke Night Live. Friday Night Herf also on the Dojo Verse, having a good time, hanging out. I am smoking the, oh man, this I love this cigar. Um, the Paladin de Saca, the Sin Compromiso. Super good. Look, because, you rolling those R's and stuff? Number two know, cigar of the year, even though it didn't come out, right? It's, it's, I'm trying to get better at my at my rolling of the R's because that just makes the cigar sound so, so much sexy. so sexy and cool. Uh, but we're hanging out. It's going to be fun. Hey, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Steve Saka in a moment from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Jordan, every time I, sa I say that name, I think of, of, of uh, you know, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Every well, time you say what? Uh, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. You know, the, the building and loan, it just reminds me of that for some reason. Uh, I like that What was feeling. the name of their business? It was, it was the, it was the uh, uh, I don't know. I yeah. you, you know, no, <laughs> threw me off. Hey, uh, guys, uh, studio audience tonight. Oh, hey, hold on. I didn't get their, wait, let me get their lights going. Why didn't I get their Jiminy lights going? Christmas. We got to make Scott and Matt look super sexy over there with the light. Watch this, guys. Wait till, I, wait till I flip these lights on. You guys are going to be like, wow. The technology is They look so cool. There, there oh, we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Scotty, how you doing tonight, my friend? Listening off of Scott's bald head. Yep. <laughs> just yeah. listening, listening. I'm doing great, Eric. How are you doing, bud? Dude, it's been a, it's been a trying week. It's been a, it's been a heck of a week for you. It's been a, I got into a car crash. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> And, it's always fun. Uh, when I got into the car crash, the the guy that hit me full speed, for some reason, Scott wanted Seemed like he wanted to hit you again. He wanted to fight me, like physically fight me for some bizarre reason. Uh, oh, my money's on you, man. Old man strength all the way. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was I was kind of dis I was kind of discombobulated at the time, <laughs> so I don't know how I would have done in that fight. But for some reason, he went. I I was just sitting there minding my own business. Got plowed into from behind. My brand new Subaru, which I've only had for six weeks, now is a uh, is not new anymore. I say, didn't even have plates on that thing yet. Didn't even have plates on that thing. So what are you gonna uh. do? Uh, Matt, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Matt Hall in the audience tonight. Doing good. Uh, what are you What are you smoking over there? Uh, I am just finishing up a Don Carlos. Oh, hey, oh, whoa, Don Carlos. bougie, Matt. Yeah, yeah, so it's bougie. Friday. Yeah, Friday, Friday. Jordan, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, excellent. I've got a Stillwell Star. Oh, uh, you're going the which, Stillwell Star. Where did I go? I went to ba Bayou, I think. You went with the the Bayou. Out on the Bayou. 
Bayou. So we'll get an update on Jordan's uh, Bayou as the show goes on. Hey, guys, when I, I introduced the new uh, 10th anniversary coin, see if I can get this uh, to focus on that guy. Oh, oh, there we go. This coin came out so nice. It's the Dojo 10th anniversary coin. Super cool. And, uh, and instantly, as soon as I posted this, people were freaking out. How do I get my hands on it? I will buy that coin. I'll give you $50 for that coin. We don't ever sell our challenge coins on the Dojo. We only give them away for free. That's what we do. We give them away for free. But how do we give them away? Uh, normally, I give them, I, sometimes I'll give them away with merch or that kind of thing. This time, here's the idea. Now, uh, Dojoverse, if you guys are watching, you guys got to help me with this idea. Uh, my idea is this. So I, I have my sphere of guys that I talk to and whatnot, and, but I don't want to just have the guys that I give the coins to all the time, the same guys. So I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about creating. Now, as you guys are uh, watching on Facebook, you let me know what you think of this idea. I'm thinking about creating a, a, a secret group, keepers of the coin. I might pick like five or ten dojo you got to be at least probably a red belt maybe a black belt on the dojo verse and i'll pick like five or ten members could be guys could be girls could be women whatever um and i will send 10 or 15 coins to these to this group each person in this group and each person in that group they'll keep a coin for themselves of course and then they over the span of the next two three months jordan they can give them to folks on the dojo that they believe, you know, deserve this 10th anniversary coin. Folks that participate a lot, folks that uh, make the dojo verse what it is, the greatest cigar community on the face of the earth. So, um, I want them to be called the Evil Council. The Evil Council. I don't know why. I like that <laughs> that's name. What I, that's. that's what I want. Maybe we'll go with the Evil Council, and, and the Evil Council will distribute. And, of course, I'll distribute the coins, too. In fact, I already gave away two coins. I've only given away – actually, I've given away three. Uh, and I, I take that back, four. Matt's got one. Scotty's got one. That's two. I don't know if those count because they're right here in the studio. But I sent one to Tiff, Tiff uh, Russ in um, Pennsylvania, and I sent one to Beans. So those are the only four people – that have this coin so far. So um, in the next uh, couple days, uh, maybe a week, uh, look for information on the Dojoverse. If you want to be part of the evil council and you want to be one of the folks that gets to distribute some of these coins, of course, I'll be probably doing the bulk of, of the distribution, but I thought it'd be fun to get more people involved um, giving coins to the folks that they think uh, deserve it because... You know, it's uh, who I think might not always be the, right. you know, the end-all, be-all. So uh, look forward to that in the next, uh, I don't know, three to four days. We'll do something like that. So I hope you guys think that's fun. We'll have a good time with that. I have, I think I have 300 of these coins, Jordan, and they really, really came out sexy. super sexy and cool. Um, all right, let's get into our show tonight. Uh, this is obviously one of the... The, the most fun guests that you're... There he, you're, goes, typing there he goes typing away. One of the most fun guests that you're going to have on Smoke Night Live. By the way, he still uses a typewriter. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Smoke Night Live. Steve Saka. Steve, how are you doing, my friend? Simply fucking delightful. <laughs> wow, he's, he's excited already right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what are you drinking? 
I pulled out the big boys tonight. I went, uh, I went with one of my classic all-time favorites, the uh, Lagavulin. i got to figure out where the camera is. Oh, boy, there I can't figure this it out. There you the go. Lagavulin Distiller's Edition. Wow, you got some peat um, in that one. one. My, it's one of my favorite Islays. Well, the reason I like this one, first, Log 16 is just classic, right? Love it. But what I like about this one is they finish it off in Pedro Jimenez cast, so it softens it a little. It makes it oh. a little sweeter. It okay. tempers down the uh, peat factor, so it works really, really well with cigars if you're into the uh, Islay-style scotches. And uh, what are you smoking? It looks like a Micarita. Is that what you got? Uh, yeah, I'm smoking a, a tricky traca that oh. I dropped on the floor and then went to pick it up and then kicked it across the room and kicked it again. So I'm just waiting for it to explode on camera. But I, you know, heck, you know, I can't sell it, so I might as well smoke it. Exactly. And I've, I, I've been guilty of that uh, many a time myself. That does happen. Steve, it's been uh, way too long since we've uh, talked to you. How? Get bring us up to date. How is? How are you? Have you been fishing? What's going on in the uh, wonderful world of uh, Steve Saka? So let me say this. You would think as a paid sponsor of the Dojoverse, I would get invited occasionally to be on this damn program. I mean, you have everybody <laughs> and their brother on this thing. So there's obviously no value in giving you guys cash. So let's just clear that up right from the jump. We cannot um, be bribed, Steve. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm not going to pay anymore. There's no point in it. Um, and then the other thing is um, I really haven't been doing anything but working. That is it. Hmm. I mean, really, I, I have zero life. Zero. Now, this has been a, uh, you know, lots of trials and tribulations for folks like you in the, in the cigar manufacturing industry with, you know, supply chain issues and whatnot. Has it been, uh, has it been a challenge the last six, eight months for you as well? Yeah, I don't think I'd be saying anything that no one's heard a hundred times. It's, I keep telling people the best way to sum it up is every single thing about this has sucked except for sales. Sales have been great, but man, it's been, it's been a tough road to hoe the last 18 months. Really, it's almost two years now, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, I guess it all started to hit the fan in March of 2020. So, I mean, it's, I, I think... I like to say it's getting better, but I see new problems cropping up now, ones that I think are just kind of unintended consequences. Yeah, a lot of folks, you know, they always say like, oh, like the cigar is not, it's not such a, that's not the issue. It's the, it's the boxes, it's the bands, it's the paper, it's the cellophane. Mm, no, it's, it's the cigars too, because we've yeah. had nothing but labor problems um, as a result of the current immigration policy. We've had nothing but... Uh, Problems with tobacco. We have huge shortages of tobacco, way more than we've had in, good God, I, I got to tell you, I, I haven't seen filler tobacco be in this short a supply ever in the last three decades that I've been doing this. I mean, normally we're always scrapping for wrapper. Like Connecticut broadleaf is always a problem, but uh, we're, we're scrapping for just plain old, simple Nicaraguan sun-grown fillers, simple C98, stuff like that. Mm. We're, we're having to... And, I, and I'm sure consumers are seeing it in a lot of blends they smoke regularly. I think they'll probably have noticed that the blends don't seem to be as consistent across the board, and the construction doesn't seem to be as good as it's been. I mean, obviously, it's affecting some brands more than others, um, but I, I can't imagine if you're a consumer that kind of plays the field and smokes a lot of different stuff that you haven't kind of noticed a, a decrease in quality and consistency over particularly the last, I don't know, six to nine months. Now, now, Steve, it seems like don't you, is this is this is a terrible term, Jordan. They, people say a perfect storm, but what does that mean? I mean, 
It's a perfect storm because the storm is bad, right? A storm is a bad thing. But, Steve, you have this record demand for your product, but then you also have right. these, ex these issues that you're describing now. Those two things combined together make this for, you know, ultimate challenge for you guys to keep the product flowing to the consumer. Oh, right. I mean, I think it hurts the consumer, too, because, I mean, look, they, they've seen all the price increases. I think almost every manufacturer took a price increase. Very few didn't. I honestly don't understand how they couldn't have because most of the price increases that most of the makers took were really only about half of what we really needed to take. Um, I mean, costs have been running pretty much 10 to 14% higher over the last 18 months. And I think most manufacturers kind of took about a 6% increase. And I think it's one of these, you know you need to take it, but you don't want to bite off. You don't want to cause too much of a shock. And you're just kind of, and you're also looking, being an eternal optimist, you're kind of hoping that this will all settle out and energy costs will go down and fertilizer costs will go down and labor costs will stabilize and maybe it won't be necessary to do another one. But if something doesn't change, in the next, before the end of this year, I think you can pretty much plan on everyone else. You can pretty much plan on most people taking another 4 to 8% increase going into the next year. And, of course, that's not uh, good for consumers. And the thing is, it isn't good for us either because we're not making more money. We're just taking the extra money we're charging you and giving it to somebody else. Right. And they're not making more money either, right? It's going to everything that they're buying is costing them more too. It's a it's a vicious cycle. It's not uh, it's not ideal for anyone. Now, Steve, you've said on this show and other shows, um, you know, many times, hey, I'm I need to charge what I need to charge to make money in this industry. You've never been, you right. know, one to say, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the least expensive and this kind of thing. You've always said, hey, I, I have to price my product in such a way that uh, is. Uh, that makes sense for my business so that we can continue on. Um, that's rough for you right there because you're, you're already sort of at this level. You don't really it's have a, little, a whole, you don't have this don't huge margin really to mess with. I don't know that it's really rough for me because I don't think, I think consumers realize that when they buy my product that I've always had that attitude. I've never sold on the concept of this is a great value or that this is inexpensive or that right. I, I don't, I don't cater to the guy that's price shopping. You know, it doesn't matter how cheap Romeo and Julieta get on CI or Monte Cristo whites. Those aren't my consumers regardless. Um, and because of the price point that most of my cigars are in, they're probably less impacted. In other words, I mean, if a Muestra de Saka used to cost eighteen ninety five and now costs nineteen ninety five. It doesn't end the world, you know what I mean? If a Sin Compromise is a $15.80 cigar and it becomes a $16.40 cigar, it's not the end of the world. It, I think it hurts the bottom end of the spectrum much worse. Mm. Now, to these guys' benefit that are on the bottom end of the spectrum, and this is entirely this is speculation on my part, but I really believe that a lot of the manufacturers have been grossly overproducing cigars in an attempt to catch up. And I think the market is already slowing right now. So I think there's going to be a flood of cigars that are going to come into the market this year that really the market isn't going to need because we seem to be through the big COVID hump. I mean, small companies like me, I'm still experiencing growth organically because we're just a growing small company. But when you're, when you're a large-scale company, you know, one of the big 10, let's say, um, it's not the same. 
And I think uh, there's a, I don't know, because I don't know their internal numbers, but just looking at the activity level, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a glut of cigars come the mm. end of the summer. And I've, already, and I've already noticed on my level between the manufacturer and the retailer in the wholesale chain, I'm starting to see manufacturers give discounts and deals again that they haven't been giving for a very long time. And they don't give those out of the kindness of their hearts. So that tells me that they're obviously seeing some slowdown in the numbers. Can you draw comparisons um, for what we're going through now with what happened in the 90s? Is there any comparison to be made? Will we run into some of those issues in the next year or two with lesser quality and that kind of stuff? Well, I think you are seeing lower quality already, um, but it's not to the degree that it was during the boom. In the boom, there were a lot of fly-by-night people making a lot of cigars, and now it's just a lot of like experienced factories and people that went through the boom. So I don't, I don't think we're going to talk about that kind of quality level uh, like we saw. I mean, because look, cigars were just absolute shit, you know, pretty much from like 97 through 99, 2000. I mean, it really took, and the market crashed in 98. It took a good two and a half to three years to work most of that through the system. I don't think it's going to be that dismal. And the other thing, too, is the COVID bump that we got, which was just a direct result of people having more time to smoke and having more free money because they couldn't spend it on other things, those people probably really enjoyed their cigar smoking experience when they could and they were smoking two or three a day. So I think they're probably going to become everyday consumers and then on the weekend they might try to squeeze in two or three on the weekend. So I, I think the overall sales are going to be greater than what we saw in 2019. I just don't think we're going to see the 2020-21 numbers. Um, I think those are going to start to flat line, flatten out. And that, that's, what, that's speculation on my part, though. I, there's no – it's just me doing the – what Johnny Carson used to do, the great Karnak and right. pull the card up to his head and, and say something. So, I mean, I, I, have, I have no insider info other than just what I'm physically seeing on the ground here in the distribution side and then also on the production side in Nika. Right. Uh, speaking of that um – Speaking of Nika, the production side, uh, two weeks ago we re-released our uh, Hoya the N- Hoya Ninjaragua. Sorry, Jordan. I almost said it wrong, Jordan. Oh. I almost said it wrong. Jordan hates when I say that wrong. Uh, we re-released our Hoya Ninjaragua uh, with Hoya de Nicaragua. Last uh, Friday night on uh, Smoke Night Live a week ago, we had uh, Juan Martinez on the show from Hoya de Nicaragua, and he did a really uh, great job of sort of like given a little bit of history of the factory and we talked a, a bit about the juxtaposition between you know them and Drew Estate this traditional factory versus this you know crazy uh, you know uh, reggae and and graffiti and all that kind of stuff now you work with Hoya uh, talk a little bit about Hoya because uh, for the last couple of weeks we've kind of been really uh, hitting hard on on that factory talking about the significance of the factory, what it means to the industry, and what it means to Nicaraguan cigars and Nicaraguan tobacco in general, and you getting to, to work so closely with them. Uh, shed some light on, on that factory and, and what they mean to this industry. Well, I mean, let me think of how to put this. I mean, first off, as you got, as your, as your listeners have heard, I mean, Hoya was the very first real cigar factory in Nicaragua. It was the original. It was the number one. And it was a joint partnership between Simon Camacho, who eventually went on to be with uh, Roa Cigars, right? 
and um, and start that in Honduras, and then uh, and then Juan Bermeo Sr. So I mean, it really was the epicenter, and I, I think the thing that makes Hoya a distinctly unique factory compared to almost all the others, and definitely in the large scale factories, it's the only one that's actually Nicaraguan owned and operated. You know what I mean? From top to bottom, and that's very unique because. In the past, it's always either been Spaniards or Cubans, and even today, it's Cubans that own and operate most of the factories, or in the case of the Drew Estate factory, that's an American company operating and owning the factory. So it is kind of a, it's kind of an island onto itself, um, very unusual set of circumstances. And as a result, um, it's, it's just a different vibe in the way it operates. You know, and uh, and the other thing that I think is really of more significance with Hoya, and look, I would say Hoya was a very significant factory in the 70s. It used to produce the number one selling cigar in America, um, uh, but it really fell out of favor. I mean, with the Civil War and the Sandinista takeover and then the dissolution of the Sandinistas, returning it to the workers and... It was really kind of a factory that was kind of left to wallow in disrepair and really just didn't make very good cigars. Um, and then what ended up happening was, you know, uh, Alejandro Martinez Cuenca, he bought the factory. Uh, he bought the lion's, he bought the share of it, bought it from the workers. And slowly they have been kind of working their way back up. But that got a little bit, um, it got expedited when I was a Drew and did the deal. Uh, to do the distribution with Hoya, and that was the first change. Um, we started to get involved with the factory to because we were going to distribute their products in the United States and start to give them a little bit different ways of thinking. But that has really been more embraced, I'd say, in the last eight years uh, when um, the factory was kind of turned over to uh, to Juan Martinez to be the president. The son of Alejandro, and with anything, uh, youth brings uh, renewed vigor and more enthusiasm, and the willingness to do changes. And I would say that that's a factory that has gone through a uh, a really stunning, stunning reality TV makeover. Mm. Um, I I think that they are probably, in my estimation, I think they're probably the most capable, competent factory right now in the valley. Wow. Um, I think that they, uh, I think they are, I think that they have the capacity to make the absolute best cigars of anybody. Um, and then it just becomes a question of blends and branding and, you know, marketing and all those other things. But, uh, but I, and I think that anyone that's been smoking cigars for the last, you know, 20 plus years or so, or even just the last 10 years, I think it's hard to not see that change in the quality of the products that they produce today. And, you know, look, I'll, I mean, I won't take the credit, but I know that they give me a lot of credit, too, in just kind of helping them to think about cigars in a, a slightly different way. You know, not to always think about the volume and the price and how can we do things the most economically to really think more about what's in the best interest of the product. And then ultimately, if you do that, the rest kind of takes care of itself. Now, Steve, when you when you started your own company, you could have, you know, worked with pretty much any factory um, that you wanted to and got any tobacco yeah. that you wanted to. 
Uh, well, yeah. And I know you were familiar, obviously, with Oya at the time, so it was it was probably a, a good relationship already. But but what was it about them where you you know you were sure like you know this is this is where I want to at least make a, a good portion of my cigars. Um, well, look, that's a good portion. They probably manufacture roughly 65 to 70 percent of what we're currently selling. So it's a significant amount. Um, I think I, I may be their number one independent customer. I don't know that for a fact. You'd have to ask them that. I don't, I don't pry into their business. But I just know the number of cigars that we're making annually with them at this point. Um, it really comes down to what you said. It's, it's the relationship. Look, when you're working with a factory, it requires a tremendous level of trust. In addition to that, they already had been working with me for almost five, six years because I was the direct contact with Hoya. I was the one that was there every month and kept things moving. And so they, they kind of knew what a dick I was. And they knew how <laughs> difficult I was and they knew what I had expectation wise. And, and look, that's not a, that's not, that's not an easy thing. Cause you know, most brand owners really don't have any real say, you know what I mean? Um, and what really happens on their products. I mean, they don't own the factory, they pay a price, they get the product, and this is a much different kind of relationship. And I knew that for me, um, they would be the best partner. And the other thing too is, you know, I know that for consumers, they always look at factories and they think about pedigree, um, but I think pedigree is really irrelevant. I. I, I think of factories as a place where you, its methodology and its standards and its practices and its quality control and it's a, it's a very, it isn't as romanticized as um, our industry makes it. There isn't like some sort of magic sauce when it comes to a factory. Um, what a factory is about is about attention to detail. That's what a factory is about. Um, I always say that the factories are where good cigars go to die because what they do is they just fuck up perfectly good tobacco and they ruin it and make it into crappy cigars. <laughs> so really what you want the factory to do is to just not fuck up the material that you're giving them. You know what I mean? Uh, um, you know, to get so those you're, things you're right. So you're saying that you, and, you, uh, could, you could really lot, trust these guys. You, you, could trust, you could trust the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Guys. Yeah, no, that's not even, that's not even a question. I, I trust them. And look, I... I mean, uh, we we have like serious dollar trust too, you know what I mean? So I mean, it's a it's it's a really good relationship, and um, I, I I really I I can't think of who I would want as a, I I can't think of another person I'd rather make cigars with, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it is awesome getting to work uh, with Juan and those guys, and it is so interesting, right? Like the two companies, Drew State and 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 Hoya being. Uh, you know, partners because they are so, you know, diametrically sort of opposed. If you were to visit the two factories, they seem so different. But, um, you know, having talking to Juan over the years, uh, they're just great guys and they, they do care. They're passionate. And I think what, what you said, you know, a minute ago, just the fact that you know, you know, that they, you can trust the product that they're going to, if you say, hey, we, this is what we need, that's, you know, like with, with, our, with our product. Look, with I them, can tell you, they yeah. don't. They don't like very many of my blends. <laughs> I mean, they... Uh, Do you like your blends, like, Steve? Do you like your blends? Well, look, I, I'm very critical of my blends, but no, I, obviously I like them. 
where they wouldn't be in a box. But I mean, <laughs> look, they have their own style that makes them uniquely themselves, right? Sure, yeah. And and you know, and there's no right or wrong answer on that when it comes to what tastes the best, what's this, what's that. You know what I mean? These are all personal things. Um, so, and it's one of these things where, I mean, I will admit lately, I have leaned a little bit more on Michael and Miguel. Um, there's been a blend that I've been struggling with for a while. And I say, hey, guys, this is what I've done. Here's what I've done. Take a crack at it. And what they did sucked, but I don't think it did suck. I think I'm revisiting it now because, you know, in hindsight, I start smoking with some age on. I'm like, oh, you know what? You know, they're on a better path than I was on with this particular blend. So, um, in fact, when I was down the last trip, I said, okay, this is what I want to do with these things based on Miguel and Michael's changes to the work that I had done. So, it's, it's, it's a very good relationship all the way around. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, getting to work with them. I mean, we spent uh, two years uh, making that blend. And... Uh, they're just very responsive to, yeah, we will do the change that you want. They don't, uh, you know, they, they sort of let us kind of lead, but also helped us, kind of like you're saying, at the right. same time, you know, so it's hand in hand. Uh, let's talk a little about Stillwell Star for a second, uh, because uh, FDA um, this past week um, sort of making, you know, the, 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 the lion is starting to roar again, Steve, uh, with mm -hmm. FDA stuff, and... Um, the FDA wanting to ban flavored cigars. Um, and in their uh, statement, one of the things that they said that this, this is what a flavored cigar is. I'll quote this uh, from the FDA. Uh, Characterizing flavor refers to a sensory experience of the cigar. The rule does not distinguish between cigars that acquire flavors through natural processes, additives, or infusion. Common characterizing flavors for cigars should include sweets, fruits, herbs, spices, and spirits. Um, yet, at the same time, when talking about pipe tobacco, uh, which is in the Stillwell Star, the FDA said, as drafted, the proposed rule does not affect pipe tobacco. FDA indicated that pipe tobacco is unpopular with the youth, uh, so they don't see pipe tobacco as a sub substitute for cigars. However, the FDA leaves open the opportunity for additional public comment, blah, blah, blah. So my question to you, Steve, is will the flavored ban as proposed by the FDA what they want to to ban flavored cigars will that affect the Stillwell Star since it has pipe tobacco in it i mean it's flavored in the sense that it has pipe tobacco in it but they're not going after pipe yeah, tobacco at here's the same the, time here's the thing not all pipe tobaccos are flavored so of the four Stillwell Star blends that currently exist the aromatic number 1 is the only one that has a topping added to it which would be the introduction of something to add flavor. Um, and that's natural. Um, so, I mean, potentially the aromatic number one would be questioned. You might be able to question the Navy, even though the rum never comes in contact with tobacco. When it's done in the Cavendishing tray, there's dark rum added to the water, okay, that uh, the steam in the Cavendishing table then rises. Um, but then the alcohol is flashed off uh, because of the temperature. So, I mean, maybe um, it gets a little more confusing because in the cases of both of those tobaccos that are utilized, both of them are um, pre-FDA, uh, the grandfathered in. They actually have SDN numbers already assigned to them. So the pipe tobaccos can't be banned. Um, 
it gets really fuzzy. Right. I mean, I I ultimately don't know, and it's one of the reasons why I've never, you know, Stillwell Star. I, I look. You like to think you're smarter than the next guy in the room, but if you, I think if there's something that has the potential to survive, I think Stillwell Star has a potential to navigate that um, because of the various factors. And the other thing too is, look, let's not kid ourselves. I mean. The FDA published these rules. They're now open for comment. We're going to go through that whole rigmarole. There's going to be at least another year before they actually, you know, do a decree on this, a deeming. And then at that point, there's then going to be a myriad of lawsuits. And this isn't going to be like the premium cigar industry. And look, we've been very successful in the courts, you know, fighting, um, even with our very limited resources. This is, this is now really big, big players. Okay, with really, really deep pockets, and they're going to go to the mat on this issue. I mean, if you think Altria and R.J. Reynolds is going to roll over on menthol, you're crazy. They're not. Okay, and if you think Swisher and Altidus and you know all of that, you know, I mean, back to Altria with Middleton, uh, if you think they're just going to like take this and smile, they're not. So this is going to be drugged through the courts. And ultimately, little Steve Socket is little Stillwell Star brand that's really kind of quasi who knows what it is in this one size or in this one blend, maybe, and the other blend, probably not at all. The other two, in no way whatsoever, that already have grandfather product in them. Uh, I, I'm just going to go whichever way the wind goes, right? I'm not fighting the battle. If it turns out somewhere in the future they say, hey, you can't sell this, then I will simply stop making it. It's just that simple. But I think that we're probably at least four to five years away right. from that even becoming a reality. And on top of that, I think it navigates well. And this this term characterizing flavor, this is going to be highly debated. And I think one of the things that's really critical, at the point which kind of I think you said you might want to talk about, is the marketing aspect of it. You know, is it represented in a certain way? And you notice I, I don't choose to use food terms. Um, I'm very careful in the way I phrase my language. I'm very careful in the way, I mean, if you look at Stillwell Star, it's a, what is it, a $15.5 cigar? And it's packaged in a way that looks like a $15.5 cigar. You know what I mean? There's nothing about Stillwell Star that in any way could be interpreted as being appealing to an, a younger generation that's looking to smoke a flavored cigar, right? Yeah. It just, it isn't there. Now, and, uh, we look, will, was, Steve, we will, we, I don't want to, I don't want to jump into the marketing part too quickly because I'm saving that for the second half of the show. Uh, but oh, okay. just to, to finish on this sort of topic, uh, you, you spent a lot of time at Drew Estate, obviously, and let's, yeah. you know, we, everybody knows, you know, the Acid Line is one of the top selling cigars in the world. And like yep. you said a minute ago, uh, Altria is not going to roll over. Uh, all these guys aren't going to roll over. How do you see this? Is this just going to end up all of these different companies in, in separate lawsuits? How do you see this progressing? And if you had to guess, you know, the next couple of years, uh, what do you think uh, is going to happen? Is it going to be just a, em embroiled in a bunch of separate lawsuits? Yeah, look, I, and the other thing that you have to understand is, it's going to depend on who's in the administration at the time, right? This went nowhere. I mean, it all got foisted on us 
two administrations ago. Then it kind of went into pause mode with the last administration. Now it's kind of sort of rearing its ugly head in this administration. There'll be a new administration and it'll take another position. And I think this is going to be a ping pong issue forever. And I think ultimately, if you just ask me to be a betting man, I think that we're going to get to a point where it's going to be more about the packaging and the branding and us paying the taxes and the user fees and them uh, probably keeping the products on the marketplace because it's, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just from a legal point of view, it's almost an unwinnable argument. You know, it's very hard to see. But then again, I say that, and look, this country went through a prohibition for alcohol. It went through uh, essentially a, a prohibition for marijuana, which we now seem to be reversing courses on. I mean, I, I can't predict the future. I just know that I'm a little teeny tiny cork floating in an ocean <laughs> of really, really big, big super tankers. And whatever way they go, I'm going to be caught in the wake of it. And if Stillwell Star is determined to be, I'm a bad boy, then I will simply stop making the aromatic Stillwell Star. But I can continue to make the other ones. I mean, they're not banning Latakia. They're not banning Perique. They're not banning Burley. They're not banning uh, Red Virginia and Bright Virginia and all these other tobacco varieties. Um but and then the other thing, just to be completely honest, I have no damn clue if Stillwell Star is a good idea or a bad idea. Still, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's right now selling really, really well. The buzz factor has kind of slowed on the internet, but where it's selling incredibly well is in the brick and mortar stores with the average consumer that doesn't know who Steve Saka is and doesn't give a fuck. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of Stillwell Star. It seems to have it start. It seems to be finding an audience amongst that consumer. It's the same thing. Look, I don't know where Acid is in the lexicon of brands, but when I was at Drew, it was the number one or the number two brand in the country. I mean, you never saw people online writing about Acid, right? Very rarely. I mean, comparatively, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, right. It was something that was for another consumer, and and that's the way I look at Stillwell Star. Is I, I don't think the guys were smoking Nikkei Rita Tricky Trakas are likely to be big, big Stillwell customers. And vice versa, I don't think the Stillwell customers are going to be the guys that are hunting down to smoke, you know, my Muester to Saka the Bewitched. Right. I think that they're different consumers. But, I look, they're adults, and I think that people should be allowed to make their own decision about what they stick in their mouths. You know. I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, when we get back from commercial, we will talk to uh, Steve about the top brands and cigars on the Dojo Verse this week, uh, which should be interesting. Uh, we're going to get his thoughts on the cigar marketing debate, which we've been having over the last month or so. And then finally, we're going to get into our weekly top three. We have some really deep questions, Jordan. For Steve Saka. But folks, before that, you got to understand this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands, such as Romeo and Julieta, 
Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines, such as the Drew Estate Nightshade or the limited edition Alec and Bradley Wagyu. Celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today at jrcigars.com. This is episode 332 of Smoke Night Live. We are chatting with none other than Steve Saka, one of the most engaging cats that you'll ever see uh, on a show like this, so we always love having him. Steve, welcome back to the show. Uh, Steve, uh, we just recently introduced a new leaderboard on the Dojoverse, and the new leaderboard's very interesting because it doesn't take into account uh, necessarily, there's a little bit of this, the rating of the cigar, but it really focuses on the uh, popularity of the cigar and how much the cigar is being smoked and checked into, which gives us a really interesting take on uh, where things happen. In fact, the other day we released a uh, Padron badge, and all of a sudden we saw an increase in Padron cigars. And I can tell you this, Steve, before I do the weekly one, um, I was looking at the daily leaderboard, and because you're on the show, um, there was at least four Dunbarton cigars. Let me look real quick on the daily one, and then we're going to talk about the weekly here in a second. But, okay, so you've got Sober can, Mason. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I comment on this? Yeah, yeah, you can comment. Um, this is the way this works. I think that the people that are more active in the dojo verse are going to ultimately get a higher ranking in the system because they have a better relationship with your with your followers, with your with your community. So I think that if I decided that I wanted to actively engage on the dojo verse, which, no offense, I just don't have the time to do. I think I could pump those numbers through the roof. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Well, I'm and gonna, I think it, I'm going to tell you right now on the daily, um, the daily there is four of your cigars on the daily top ten right now. Actually, yeah, now four. Uh, the brulee is number two. Micarita is number three. So like you're cranking uh, because you're on the show. People are firing them up. And they're smoking it. But let's let's look at the weekly real quick because we do this every week on the on the show. And I'll get your uh, I'll get your comments on this. So the Dojo verse top ten. All right, here we go. Brands of the week. Uh, let's start at number ten. Perdomo. Uh, there's that Padron popping up at number nine. I'll I'll point out the ones that I think are kind of uh, interesting. Uh, Steve, you're at number six there. Uh, Pete, really high. Tatawahe number four. And Espinosa, man, there's a big Espinosa following on the dojo, Jordan. Uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're almost always near the, the top there. Let's go to the cigars of the week. So, so there we go. Because we released the Hoya, our Ninjaragua, it's, it's still holding tight there at, at uh, number one. But uh, you've got a few. Oh, the, the, uh, the Camacho Factory Unleashed, which was just uh, released, is, is made its appearance, Jordan, at number eight. But, uh, Steve, if you were to look... Next week on the show, uh, when we have Matt Booth on the show, I'm guessing that several of yours are going to show up just simply because of what's going on tonight. That's sort of how this leaderboard goes. That's the way it works. And look, and, and you guys have always had an excellent relationship with Eric and Espinosa Cigars, and you've done many projects with him, and you've done and you've been very closely associated with the people that get products made with him. Like I saw, I saw. Um, I can't say the name of Protocol's company. I know Cuba Raquino. 
Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> and as a result, it ends up higher on the list. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just no. shows that you have a good, healthy relationship. And look, and this is the argument that Charlie makes every year about the half-wheel consensus list, that it's a reflection of you know, the relationship that you have with all the various media sites and bloggers. And the better your relationship, it's not that you're going to get a – it's not that you're getting an unjust rating. I'm not saying that Espinosa doesn't deserve to be number one, but what it does is it just gets an extra bit of consideration because of that relationship. So therefore, you sure. try more Espinosa cigars, you find the ones that really suit your fancy, and as a result, the numbers go up. And that's just simply the, but that's the way it works for everything, you know. And uh, so I always look at them kind of. I look at them kind of in a in an individual universe in a bubble. I mean, in the end. The only thing that actually really matters is sales. Consumers ultimately vote with their wallets. Right. Okay. So, and we've all seen this. I mean, I've seen it for the last three decades. I see tons of cigars get the number one this and the number two that and tons of buzz, but consumers don't actually buy the damn things, right? And if they don't buy them, it's irrelevant. And, and that's why in the end... Uh, Sales numbers really ultimately are the final arbiter of what the consumer wants and doesn't want. Now, look, there's certain things that there's always going to be way more people out there that love Java than there's ever going to be people that love a uh, whatever, a Todos Las Dias, right? It's just a much bigger pond that you're fishing in. There's just way more consumers that are going to gravitate towards that product than they would gravitate towards the other product. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that just because something doesn't make it into the things that they aren't exceptional cigars. Sure. There's a lot of exceptional cigars that will never get in the top. And there's also sometimes there's some pretty crappy cigars that seem to filter the top too. I mean, and I think one of the things you just have to look at as a consumer is just consistency of you know, where do these things fall year after year, time after time, and not just in one rating or on one site or even on six sites, but as a broad consensus, I think that gives you a better reflection. But right. still in the end, it doesn't mean dick, because if you don't like it, you don't like it. Of course. And if you like something that isn't on the list and it's your favorite one, then guess what? It's the right one. And uh, so I kind of, I kind of, I kind of take it all with a bit of a grain of salt. Sure, yeah. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not, you know, most people, they like, they play the game and they don't admit they play the game. I flat out play the game. I send all the bloggers every year samples. I send them detailed sheets explaining what the brands are, you know, and I'm hoping that they're going to smoke it and they're going to rate it. It doesn't guarantee me a good rating, but it probably increases my chance that they're going to try it and they're going to review it. And if the cigar doesn't suck, Chances are it's going to get a good score, and the more good scores, the more at the top I end up floating, and, and it works. And, and, and you know as well as Eric, everybody does this. I'm not doing something that nobody does. And in fact, most people actively lobby on their behalf for their products. And I don't do that. I just I send it all out. Everybody gets the same thing, and everybody gets to decide. And I've just never seen a reason to hide the fact that I do it. I mean, because it's just, it's what I do. So the truth is the truth. Well, <clears throat> just to wrap that up, the, uh, out of 300, there's what, nearly 4,000 cigars in there, Jordan. 
Yes. And there are 300, that, that represents 340 brands. That's a lot of brands, by the way, if you think about it. Uh, but right now, uh, there you go. Uh, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, you can't see that very well, but uh, is number one. Well, what I was going to add into that is one of the kind of cool things about the, the way this Dojoverse ranking system works is it, it sort of does take into account sales because these guys are smoking the cigars. They've already, they, unless you're like me and you don't pay for cigars. These guys have bought these cigars, right? There he goes. That's a fair point. All right. Yeah, but, but you also have to understand that the people in the dojoverse are going to be more likely to buy the cigars from the brand owners that are more engaged with the dojo community. No, absolutely right? true. That's, that's I mean, it just makes true. sense. And guess what? I don't blame them. I mean, I, w- I would do the same. The more engaged you are with the community – the more, you know, it's nice that they give your product a fair chance and a look. Sure. I, I, I think it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, let's move on to the, uh, the a bit of a hot topic. I, I, I needed to – I know some people are probably sick of me bringing this topic up, but – Is this going to go back to your wristy interview yet again? Yes, uh, because oh you've God. been very outspoken about this issue, and so – I, I would love to let this I would love to let this issue die, but I can't tonight. Uh, as you know, like uh, what was it five weeks or so ago, I had Risty well, on the you're show. Just, you're, just, you're just you're just trying to get the JSK guys to make like really bad memes of me. Is what you're doing <laughs> to put me in this position? No, no. You want you want you. I don't. You, I, and you and you want to get the LCA guys too? You want me to get tag team from both sides? Is that what you're trying to do to me no, here? No, I. What I do would just like from you. Okay, so let me just try to frame the argument for for folks that may maybe not uh, familiar with what we're How talking about. How could they about. not have heard you make the argument? You've been talking about it for weeks. Yeah, I know. That's a good point. <laughs> um, so, Steve, but this goes way. This goes a, much further back. Uh, I can remember you. Um, being outspoken about the Chinese finger trap that uh, yes. Moya Ruiz did, kind not really with us, but sort of uh, for the dojo community, kind of a thing. Um, so you were outspoken long before, long before this last most right. recent thing with Charlie and, and and all that went down. But do you believe, Steve, that these products like Risty's Munchies, maybe Chinese Finger Trap, maybe even our Dojo Chico, even though that was just like an event thing. But these types of things are hurtful uh, to the industry. And if so, um, what can we do about that as an industry? Okay, so. Oh, boy, you really want me to step in a minefield. So I'm just going to do it because it's easier. <laughs> um, I do believe they're hurtful. I do not think they're in the best interest of the industry as a whole. I think that it has nothing to do with reality. Um, I understand that kids are not smoking munchies and kids are not buying LCA branded Cookie Monster whatever cigars. Um, The problem is it gives the perception and the ammunition to the FDA to point to and say, look, this is what's going on. And... So that, that is a problem for the industry on the whole. At the same time, I'm a free market guy, and the laws are the laws, and what RISD is currently doing is perfectly legal under the law, and what the, the LCA guy is doing is perfectly legal under the law, separate of his IP issues. I'm not going to get into that. It's for an attorney to talk about. But this is, this is allowed, and as a result... They're free to do what they want. They have their own businesses. They have to operate them in the way that they think are in their individual best interests. What 
I think that I would ask on their behalf is they don't they should not expect everybody else in the industry to accept it. Right. They should expect pushback. Okay. And they should be adult enough to accept that pushback. Um, and, and not at the same time, but ultimately they get to make their own decisions. And I, I, I just, it's all about a perception thing. It's not about a reality thing. I, I do not believe that these products are being sold and smoked to kids. I don't believe any of the people, I didn't think that Ruiz was trying to, you know, get 14-year-olds to buy Chinese finger trap cigars. It's all about how do the anti-tobacco people perceive this and how do they use it against us as an industry. And that regula regulation that results, it impacts everybody. So therefore, I think the responsible thing to do is to try to find a way to navigate it. But ultimately, I don't run their businesses. I don't pay their paychecks. They are doing what's allowed in the free market to do. And as a result, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they can do it. But at the same time, they shouldn't expect everyone to cheer them along or to support what their fight is. Um, because the reality is it's just simply not going to happen under the current circumstances. And is that fair? No, nothing about this whole thing is fair. You know, it, it sucks all the way around. Um, but I don't, um, I, 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 I think, I, look, you could argue that I'm guilty of it, right? With Stillwell Star, right? Right. I'm treading, I'm treading a line there. Um, what about Sober Mesa Brulee? Why did I choose the word brulee? I mean, brulee kind of is associated with food, but that's not actually what brulee means. Brulee means to burn. That's what brulee means, the legal definition of the word. You know what I mean? To char, to toast. You know, so, I mean, you kind of, you kind of, I, I, I think that, I think that these companies could find a way to navigate it and achieve what they want without being so um, contentious. Okay. I think I think don't do you think don't you think that that's sort of part of it is the desire to be contentious? Yeah, look, that's part of the marketing angle that they're working on. And it's also what appeals look in in, in the cases of many of these companies, um, their consumers embrace that rebel status. It's part of the brand's image, right? That makes the brand the, what it is. Right, but look, I've known Risty for many years. I, I don't know Brian DeSantis very well, to be honest with you. So I don't really have any, but I've known Risty for a long time. Risty's a good guy. Risty is not the devil incarnate, okay? He just simply isn't, you know what I mean? So I, I, I think uh, it's... Uh, now, I, Steve, I, I, I uh, would, would you, what would you have thought if Risty had came out with Munchies, exactly the same cigar... Same name, everything, Rocky Road, whatever. But it was in a, a cedar box, and it just had that on the top. Would you have felt differently about the way that was presented? Yeah, but ultimately it doesn't matter what I think. Well, I know. I'm I just mean, curious. It's, ir it's, ir it's irrelevant <laughs> what I think. I mean, I, I have the option of buying it. I have the option of not buying it. Look, it certainly wouldn't have gotten all the attention that it's gotten had he just called it munchies and put it in a standard box, right? Right, that's true. I mean, and look, and when you're that small company and 
I mean, I, I, I don't think people realize how much hand-to-hand -hand combat is really happening in our industry. This is not, this is not an easy business to make it in, okay? And it, it's tough. And I understand the need as being the, the, on the outside trying to break in. I get that. Look, I know they won't believe this, but I'm on the outside. The old school Cubans, they don't accept me. They don't want the white, white fat gringo, white fat gringo <laughs> to, you know, they don't want to think that I can possibly blend or get cigars made as good as their cigars. There's no place for me with them either. You know what I mean? So um, I get it. And it's the same thing. I mean, I think about the retailers from 30 years ago, how they used to just piss on Jeff at Corona and Abe at Smoke In and, you know, just because they were upsetting yeah. the marketplace and doing things different and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Fast forward two plus decades, and now these guys are the leaders, right? okay, in the retail segment, right? So there's always pushback on the new, the new players, okay? And they have to go and they have to carve their own way. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't, it doesn't help to have a munchies. It doesn't help to have products branded in this certain way. But I think this is going to come down to the courts in the end. I don't think that this is going to be – I don't think that those products are going to be the thing that undoes the industry. Okay. I don't believe – but it is something that provides ammo that you'd rather there not be. Right. Okay. And, and you are right. But, Risty is a very smart and good guy. Like, uh, there's, there's abs I mean, people have accused me of being anti-Risty, and that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, me and Risty talk all the time about crypto coin. He's a great guy. I'll tell you. I, but it's an I, interesting I watched topic. your interview. What I didn't understand about it was if I was, he was trying to like, he was trying. I wish Risty hadn't been that way on the program with you. What I had wished Risty had done is say, fuck you. It's none of your goddamn business, okay? You can buy it or you can't buy it. You can like it. You can not like it. You can say whatever you want, but you're not the one running my business. You're not the one serving my customers. You're not – you know what I mean? And he kind, he, he, he sort of hinted at that. He did, it, uh, he did it too nice. I would have been much more blunt with you. Okay. I, I really would have. I would have. I would have. And look, and look and I, I am more of the agreement with your perspective. Okay, than his perspective, but ultimately it just doesn't matter what I think. But I think that I, I think that they should not. And I don't think Risty so much is, but I, I think that when you do these things, you have to expect that there's going to be criticism, and you have to kind of embrace that criticism and go from there with it. Right. I. Uh, I mean, and look. well, and Steve, to set the record straight, I agree with what you're saying 100%. I'm a free market guy. Uh, ultimately, I think this is silly that this is going on. Um, I just, I kind of feel like there's certain buttons. But the problem is, but the problem is, it is going on. It is. And going the thing on. I can tell you, so look, even when I was first at Drew Estate, one of the very first things that we started to do when I was there, before we even got into all of this FDA stuff, we started moving all the food terms out of the description of the product. We used the name of a few SKUs. You know, cold infusion tea. It was just became cold infusion. We even got rid of the word tea in the name of it. We were already starting as a company way back when, pre-FDA, thinking about these things and where the general trend was going from a regulatory point of view. Um, but, you know, 
you can't you can't force someone to do that. They they, they we live in a free country, state. right? That's right. And you know, but at the same time, yeah, don't expect the PCA to let you bring your cigars that you know are you know whatever CBD infused or THC infused or whatever you're doing, or if you you know want to put a I mean, come on. Altidus used to put Playboy models on the bands, right? I don't know if anyone remembers the whole Playboy series. The boxes came with like a, a centerfold girl on the interior Vista. I mean, was that to appeal to who? I mean, was that really making a 55-year-old guy buy a box? Or is that appealing? You know what I mean? It's like, right. what, I'm going to get my wag-off material from a cigar box? I mean, it just, the whole thing just doesn't make sense. So there's nobody in this whole thing that is you know, pristine like the white driven snow, okay? It's just a matter of perspective on the moment. Yeah, and, and, and Risty did make that point pretty clear on the show, that nobody is, there are a lot of people that, that do this. Um, by the way, Risty, uh, breast milk, that trademark right there, uh, you can use that, uh, but uh, don't blame me. Uh, <laughs> breast milk cigar. Um, all right, it's time, Jordan, we've got to get into our weekly top three. Oh! Weekly top three. All right, weekly top three. This top, this time, uh, the weekly top three is deep thoughts with Steve Saka. We have three, Steve. We have three very deep philosophical questions for you. And I think that what happens, we've done worse this, than the crap we were just talking about. Uh, yeah, way worse. Way it could be. Oh I don't know. God. Way worse or way better. It just depends on your perspective. But uh, deep thoughts with Steve Saka. Now we've done this in the past. <laughs> And I think that this will this will this is, gives us you like a porthole into Steve's soul. So we're going to find out uh, really what makes uh, Steve tick. And I think you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about Steve. And maybe Jordan, you might learn a bit about yourself as Whoa. you ponder these questions yourself. Let's go to the very first one, Jordan. Uh, number one, <clears throat> Steve, is it more important to be respected or liked? Well, I think that depends on the individual, but I mean, for me, it's definitely respected. I never really, as people will tell you, I'm not exactly liked all the time. So, um, yeah, I think I think I, I, if I had to choose between the two, I'd far more want to be respected than liked. And that respect—that's that's res not even a deep thought. I mean, that respect. But why is that? Because I've had, like, I think we've had varying answers on this. Some people say respect. Some people say they would like to be liked. What it is? What is it about respect that uh, sort of uh, makes you feel like you're doing the right thing as opposed to just being liked? Well, because respect is a measure of real true self-worth and liked is something that's whimsical and fleeting. You can be liked at one moment and hated at the next moment, right? I mean, look, let's take a, a current issue. Elon Musk, he was, the, he was the darling child of the left two years ago when he was all about electric cars. And now he's basically the next neo-Nazi on the planet. Just two years later, now when we're talking about the Twitter conversation, right? But ultimately, whether you like him or you hate him, and whether you liked him before and hate him now, and vice versa, you can't help but respect the guy, right? I mean, his accomplishments are his accomplishments. Mm. So respect is something that's en is enduring, where liked is something that's a matter of the whims of the moment. Mm, interesting. So like. You could li you might like a uh, if you're a if you're a drug addict you might like uh, your dealer right because he gives you what you want but respect is something that sort of intimates um, like a good and moral quality. 
I don't know where you're going with this drug dealer analogy. I thought you were going to somehow tie it back with, but you got to respect the heroin. The heroin's good, right? But who you're getting it from, you don't really care about. I mean, well, I don't even understand. We've all your, been your, there, per- right? your, permi- your permission to make analogies is hereby withdrawn. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the worst analogy ever. Fair enough. All right, number two. <laughs> Steve, is it ever okay to lie? And if so, under what circumstances? Oh, let me ask you this question. Your wife says, do these jeans make me look fat? <laughs> what is the right answer in that scenario? I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's perfectly okay to lie when lies are the thing that makes society function. I mean, mm. look, I'm, I'm accused of being too brusque, and I'm one of the people that, that annoys a lot of people. Just so straightforward. But even a guy that's as straightforward as me... Yeah, I mean, look, occasionally you tell those little white lies because there's no reason to dump on somebody. There's no reason to make things miserable for no reason. So I think if it's about something inconsequential and mm. it's done with uh, with good purpose, you know, I, I think that lies are, not only do I think it's appropriate, but I, I think they're essential. Now, if we're talking about, you know, you, you know, kidnapping kids and chopping them up and making them into whatever whoa, whoa. and then you say oh i don't do that wait, no wait. that's not an acceptable lie you know there's a i think there's different degrees of wait, lying wait Talk, wait, about analogies wait, wait a minute now I, you, you you just got mad at me for bringing up a drug dealer now you're talking about chopping up kids i mean i think that your analogies are for this point forward Banned no from the analogies show. on the show anymore. <laughs> I'm blaming the scotch. It's the scotch's fault. I swear. <laughs> okay, fine. Now, I, I, you know what? I, I was I was smoking like whiskey cigars before I got on. I had like 22 of them. <laughs> no, I uh, just to just to just to grab out Jordan a little bit of what Steve said, which I thought was really good. The inconsequential and for good reason. I think those those two things, Steve. That was that was really. Uh, well said. Like, that's when uh, a good lie, you know, hey, Grandma says, did you like my cookies? Yes, Grandma, I loved your cookies. They were amazing. Of course. You know, why right? not? Why Why? why are you going to break your grandmother's heart? Exactly. Why are you going to bust on your grandma? <laughs> <laughs> All right, final one. Right. Final yeah. one in the, in the uh, weekly top three. Here we go. Steve, could we have happiness without sadness? Poof. No, I don't think you can, right? I mean, how do you, if you're, I mean, if you're not, if you're not, if you're continually happy without a counterpoint, how do you know that you're happy? Mm. I think you, I think everything is a yin and a yang. There has to be a negative in order for there to be a positive. But I think happiness is something that you can only feel because you also have a sense of when you're not happy. So I, I, I think, again, I think that they, they go hand in hand. I don't see how you can have one without the other. Happiness is a sort of a tough thing to define, isn't it? Yeah, look, I'm never fucking happy, and I should be happy as a pig and shit, right? <laughs> I like, my life's pretty my life's pretty damn good, and I still bitch about everything. But maybe you're so, happy when you're when you're bitching about things. Which is the point that I have made many times before I'm at my happiest when I'm miserable. So that's what brings me happiness. So I'm really, I'm super incredibly happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Abs- I, I, I don't, I, I don't think you can separate the two. I think that, I think right. they're, they're necessary. And I'm sure there's some philosopher or multiple philosophers that have waxed very poetically and 
you know, dissected the reason for it, but it just seems common sense to me. You can't have light without dark, right? Right. You wouldn't understand what light was, right? Yeah, and I, I, I think it would be the same. And this music, this is dreadful. <laughs> this, mu- this music's making me really sad. <laughs> So there you go. Now you'll know as soon as Jordan as, as soon as Jordan hits the pause button on the music, you'll be happy and you'll understand the difference. Uh, all right, Steve. I'll be happy. Was, There's no more of that damn music. Exactly. Uh, that was fantastic. But the things you were saying sounded so much more deep. Come they on. did. They did. They did sound. They did sound extremely deep. All right, Steve. Everybody wants to know what is coming up uh, for Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust in the in the coming months. I assume you're going to be at the PCA. We'll hang out with you there, but. Can you uh, glean any light uh, for fans of your cigars? What's coming up? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm look, I, primarily 2022 is a year that I'm just trying to get my my ducks in a row. I mean, we've had really tremendous growth in 2020 and 2021. Um, I've been behind the eight ball. Um, you know, we didn't open any new accounts for almost a year and a half. We just started opening new accounts, but I can already tell by the number that we're opening. We're probably going to turn it off again right after the trade show. And then I don't know when we will open it back up again. Um, So I am not doing any major brand additions to the portfolio. Um, I'm doing a little nibbling around the edges. Plus, look, Stillwell Star, it launched in November. I mean, Paladin de Saka launched December 15th or January 7th, depending on whether Coop is right or I am right. (laughs) Um, You know, so, I mean, it's essentially a new product. Um, so this year, um, look, we're going to release this Muestra, um, you know, cause the, there hasn't been a Muestra, there was not a Muestra release last year as okay. it was originally intended. So we're going to have the Bewitched. Um, I'm going to take the, uh, the blend that I was working on for Miki Rita Black that was ultimately used as the JR 50th. Um, we're going to make that available to all of our retailers under the name Saka Khan. Um, you know, as an individual that. thing. I like that. Thank That's you. good, man. And, uh, you know, I don't have enough. Look, the intent is for me, K. Rita Black, to become a core brand, but I don't have enough tobacco ready. Um, it'll be sometime next summer if I decide to ultimately do it. And, uh, but I did have enough tobacco to be able to make those JRs last year. And I have enough tobacco to not do a large production, but about 5,000 boxes this year. Uh, for our retailers. And then the other thing is, and this was always on the calendar, um, I'm going to do a holiday release for Stillwell Star because in the pipe industry, there's a trend that every year uh, Hmm. pipe carvers do holiday pipes and pipe tobacco blenders do holiday blends. And they typically get released late October, early November. And they typically just call them the holiday release, you know, for the year. And I want to follow that pattern with Stillwell so we have a, a holiday blend, and it's, it's actually another aromatic. So that'll be more fodder for me to not make it <laughs> in the future, depending on what the FDA does. Um, but in this case, it, um, it won't be sweet tip like the aromatic number one. So it'll be an aromatic, but uh, with no sweet tip on this one. Okay. Um, and, uh, wow. And that's, so, that's I mean, a, that, even though you said that there's not a lot, like that's a lot. Like there's a bunch of cool stuff well, coming look, up. I have, I have, you know, I have Barbara Amaria. It's gonna get released at small batch. I have, I have uh, another release of U boat. There's going to be a new cigar in the U boat U boat series this year for the U boat consumers. Um, Frog juice just dropped. I'm doing the actual launch event um, next Tuesday uh, with my friend at Riverside with Jeff Motet. 
Um, I have, uh, what else do I have? I mean, I mean, we did the red meat lovers, the right, beef yeah. stick, and those are going to, those are going to release in November. And, um, and I'm, I'm still working on some bullshit for you guys. Yeah, that's you know, right. We talked about doing a, doing a dojo project right. and, uh, I haven't forgotten about it. I'm working on it. And the other thing I'm working on too is I'm working on, um, I last, not this February, but the previous February in 2020, I think is, I went to Jeff's farm and mm. I chose uh, some Florida sun-grown tobacco and uh, that just came out of the Palones. And um, I mean, well, it's been out of the Palones now for three months, but it's uh, I'm now just starting to work on the blends for uh, a potential future FSG release uh, with uh, with my taste profile in mind. Wow. So, and I saw the little note about Saka, Saka Khan. The only similarity between this Saka Khan and that Saka Khan is it's still Connecticut Broadleaf Wrapper, but the blend is entirely changed. I just like the name so much, I'm just repurposing it. So uh, there's really no correlation between that original Saka Khan and this Saka Khan. All right, fantastic. Guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Saka, what an incredible show, Jordan. Wow. That was a, a action-packed <laughs> Emotional, emotion. I, I feel, I feel almost drained from this show. It was, there was so Is that much. The Benadryl, or yeah, it might be the Benadryl. We are literally, um, we're, we're, we're literally in the peak allergy season in Colorado. So I'm doing my best to power through. But this show got me fired up. Like talking to Steve. Every time you talk to Steve, it is just you're just engaged. Like you just you're hanging on every word, Steve. It was incredible. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, Smoke Night Live tonight, my friend. You are so full of shit because <laughs> you say that, but I sent you an email like two weeks ago asking you, is there any sort of like pre-event to the uh, Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival? I sent you, you back a thing. you didn't even reply to me. I, you didn't send me dick. I got nothing. Uh, it's the, thir- oh, it's the, it's the Thursday, the it's the Thursday night before Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. I don't know. Maybe the email got you know uh, lost in translation, Bill Murray. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever happened, but obviously, Steve, we want you here at the at uh, yeah. Docello, which is the Docello it's Festival. The, yeah. And the right. it's the only reason it's the only it's the only reason I'm going to the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival is to and, come and boom. And, and Friday the Friday we do the beer tour. Now we we started this with Robbie and Randy from Flavor Odyssey. We uh, rent some buses and we go around and to uh, some of the cool breweries here in town. And you get to buy us all beer. So <laughs> no. so Steve, <laughs> we we want you we want you on the the beer tour as well. It's going to be an incredible. I'll I'll send you an email on that. All right, brother. I I don't know how that didn't happen but uh, obviously you you are let me say this you had no problem emailing me your invoice that i got three times okay that's true. so <laughs> that's true. Uh, by the way just just and i'm not even gonna say it because people will never believe it but i did have i did have this weird email issue so but <laughs> let's just, let's just, for, just forget that i've been in a car crash enough, steve. enough email talk i was in a car crash for crying out loud give me a break now uh steve uh, it was it's amazing like, like saying your instagram account got hacked right is that your next thing right it could My be got hacked. it might it might be <laughs> steve don't go away i want to talk to you for just like three seconds after the show but folks uh wednesday night flavor odyssey robbie and randy will be back on the shade segment they are doing the drew estate underground shade so find your best pairing with that particular cigar grab a, a drew estate underground shade 
go I don't know Jordan what do you think that would be maybe uh, maybe it's an IPA maybe it's uh, uh, some sort of rum based drink I don't know whatever you think would go best with the Drew Estate Underground Shade join us Wednesday night that'll be a ton of fun next week on Smoke Night Live I'll have Matt Booth on the show so we'll be t- chatting with our good friend Matt Booth a week from tonight but uh, hey it's Friday Night Herf so uh, grab your cigars check into them on the Dojoverse Dunba- Dunbarton is number one brand right now let's see how they do the rest of the night uh, share what you're smoking, share what you're drinking. Do some now hashtag now playing. It'll be a ton of fun. Until next week, remember, never, never smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week. The Monte Cristo 1935 Nicaragua was one of the most highly rated cigars of the year. Expertly crafted by legendary blenders Rafael Nadal and AJ Fernandez, this cigar was blended to celebrate the 85th anniversary of the Monte Cristo line. It is hand-rolled using all-age Nicaraguan tobaccos exclusively from AJ's farm. This bold cigar is bursting with rich notes of chocolate, leather, a dash of spice, and a smooth, creamy finish. Enjoy one of the finest cigars of the year right now at jrcigars.com.